Thank you very much, Jillian, uh, leading us and the, uh, the team up here this morning. It's been, it's been great. And this morning, you and I have the privilege of just walking the church through four-ish. Yeah, not three. Four. <laughs> Good morning. My name is Alicia, and I'm the youth ministry director here. Um, and I will bring our first three, four-ish things that we feel you need to know. Um, Watoto has reached out to us. And I know I'm confusing you a little. That's okay. Watoto is reaching, has reached out for us, and they are wondering if we'd be willing to host them. Uh, we would love to do this. However, we need somebody to take this on, uh, to be able to be that person to connect with them and then find billets and places, billets which are places for them to stay and food and just help their trip. They plan on coming out over spring break in March. Do you March remember? 14th. 14th. That's what I thought it was. Tuesday. Tuesday. So if this is something that you would like to do, um, please connect to myself, Scott, or Alana, and we can make sure we get you connected. Good. Oh, oh that's a good Toto. question. Yeah, that is yeah. a good question. Uh, they are an African children's singing choir, and they come out and they do a tour throughout Canada and North America, mm -hmm. and they put on this big show. It's wonderful. It is. It, uh, there's, there are children from an orphanage in Uganda. Is that right? Do I have that right? Yeah. And it is. It's, uh, it's fabulous. It's a way that they use to promote the orphanage that, uh, that has hundreds of kids in it. And so it is something that if uh, you've been to one, you'll want to go to another one. If you haven't, you'll want to come. So, yeah, we're looking for somebody who can take the lead on that. Uh, as staff, we are at capacity, so we know we can't take it on, but we would love to see it happen here. It's not huge, but it would be some work. Mm -hmm. Good. Okay, our first real three-ish things is that uh, there is a Quenio worship event happening uh, here. It is an evening to really support House of Grace. And that is our pregnancy center here in town. And they're doing a, a fundraiser evening for it. So the information is there. We want you to be uh, aware of it and would encourage you to come out and be part of it on um, today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, tonight. tonight. Tonight, here. We're giving you lots of notice. It's not here. It's not here. Okay. CRC. Oh. It actually says that up there. Just it read does. the information. Do not listen to me at all. It, right there. I'm not doing 930 well. 930 Trunk Road. Okay. Don't worry. I got the watch over thing you, down. You go you ahead. Get, uh -huh. I'll just Okay, so last week, Christy was up here talking about the fundraiser carnival that we are doing. And she made some promises, uh, like cotton candy and popcorn and pie in the face, I hear. Well, cotton candy and a popcorn are a go that is happening. Um, so, Feb not February. Oh, my goodness. We are hitting it today. <laughs> November 12th, from 4 to 6, here at the church, we're doing this fundraiser. Um, we, Isaac, the intern, has been gathering a lot of things for our silent auction. Um, like, he was walking the Duncan Street and getting quite a few businesses. So, like, the bowling alley has donated $200 gift certificate to do a birthday party for our silent auction. Randy's doing a wine tour for six. Um, we have, oh, a tonight say at Broken Island. So, we have a lot for that silent auction. This is a great way to come and support the missions team as we head out for Guatemala in March. So, Super. Yeah. That's you did good. The last one. One more. <laughs> one more. Um, it is, we announced a couple of weeks ago that uh, Jessie is stepping back from Kid Zone, and she's still staying on staff. She is going to be working with our Inform and With, that's our outreach into our community, but we are looking for a new Kid Zone uh, lead. And so if that is you or you know somebody that you feel that would fit, you can look, uh, the job opportunity is actually out. We have a job description, and it's out on the information desk there, and we would encourage you to pick that up and share that around. So we have some time, Jesse's here until the end of December, so we have some time to be able to find someone and to get them trained. But uh, please pray about that and consider that where, where if it's you or you might fit or you know somebody that you would want to talk to. So that is our three-ish, four things. Good. Super. Thank you very much. Hey, we have had somebody uh, waiting this morning around for a while because we wanted to have her live here. And clear from Costa Rica, we have Lisa Postma. Is she with us? 
Yeah. There she is. Hey, uh, what, what I'd like you to do is I would like you all to uh, stand up, and we're going to pan the camera. And so if you could stand up and face the camera. The camera is actually this way here. And Brad's, uh, okay, we're starting over here. There we go. There we go, Lisa. There is, there is the New Life family. Whoa, this is almost, this is a wave, right? Uh, it was bad. Super. Look at that, all the way. Okay. Hey, that's us, Lisa. And uh, we are so glad that you are, this is live. Um, I have to actually first say thank you, Brad, for the work that he did on this. He spent, I don't know, hours on Friday making this happen. So thank you for doing this, Brad. Uh, Lisa, I don't know, have we even heard your voice? Hello. Hello, can you hear me? Hey, yes, perfect. Um, so I know many of you probably know who Lisa is, but we also don't want to assume that you don't, you, you know who she is. So we thought that what we would do is start off, and my first question to Lisa is, Lisa, who are you? Tell us a little about who you are and how you're connected to New Life. Yeah, so my name is Lisa Fosna, and I grew up in the Cowichan Valley, and grew up going to New Life New Baptist Church, and so yeah, I know that place very well. <laughs> when I was 19, I went to uh, YWAM to train, to serve, and then in 2012, I moved here to Costa Rica, and I've been serving here as a missionary ever since. Fantastic. Um, you have family here, right? In yes, the my whole family. Yep. They're somewhere. Some they're somewhere. Are they, are they, oh, yeah. They're, they're over in that corner. I know. I didn't, I didn't look over here. I know they sit over there. So, yeah, that's great. Um, so what, what do you do then? What do you do in all day? I mean, that's the question everybody asks. Like, what does Lisa Postma do all day? Why don't you tell us? Sure, sure. So in 2015, I started Casa Fe, which in English means faith house. And it's an outreach and discipleship program for the youth of this community. And so what we do is basically offer them a safe environment to spend time and to grow and to grow in their relationship with the Lord. And so we have weekly Bible studies, we have weekly English classes, and weekly hangout times, because that's what youth do, they hang out. Um, so we use those events, those activities to show them God's love and, and just build relationship with them, and then also try to get them connected into the local church. So yeah, Hako here is known for its party scene, for drugs, for legalized prostitution. So it's, it's a messy town. People call it like Sin City. It's messy here. And so as they know that as being super normal here, but what we try to show them is like, hey, this is normal, but it shouldn't be. And there are other opportunities for you guys to do things in a healthy environment and just showing them too that like the only thing that will give them real life is a relationship with the Lord. So yeah, working with youth, that's what keeps me busy. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure that you have your days where uh, uh, it is hard, it is difficult, it is sad. Um, sure. And then you have your days where you go, wow, okay, God, you are, you are working. Uh, yeah. So one of the things I asked is just if you could tell a couple of stories of where you see, you know, what, well, I know recently there's something that's happened, and uh, you, were, you were up to uh, your knees in mud. Um, yeah. Maybe you can talk about that, and then just maybe what God is doing amongst the, the youth there. Yeah, so as Scott mentioned, um, a couple of weeks ago, there was some crazy flooding here. Um, the craziest, the worst flooding I've ever seen here in Hako since I've been here for the last 10 years, and 10, 11, whatever. Um, and so many places got so destroyed. Um, especially in the river communities where they kind of live in like slums. Um, water literally got up to the waist, up to the head. Some houses were completely destroyed. They lost a lot. Some houses got literally washed away. Um, and even just in town here, there were like, um, you know, like stores and stuff that got a whole bunch of water and mud in them. So, so yeah, that's been crazy, um, crazy here. And it, but it's been really neat to see how people have stepped up and are helping and are donating and, um, I was in one of the girls' houses one day just scooping mud out of her house using dirty river water to dilute the mud and then wash it out of the house. So, yeah, um, that's definitely been crazy here. But God is doing other things as well. <laughs> so, yeah, you kind of stepped right in and helped out and, and had conversation. And um, 
and and you know like not like us here where we have maybe a network of support and help and resources uh there there isn't that uh there for stuff like that so yeah yeah well you were going to say something oh i was just going to continue with more things that god is doing here. okay do it <laughs> go for it <laughs> So um, I just wanted to share with you guys like a few quick stories, just little snippets of things that happen here at Crescent Bay. Um, so after every Tuesday, we have a Bible study. And one time after, during, somewhere in the mix of conversation um, on one Tuesday, one of the kids was just saying, he's like, I come here so that I can ask all of my questions. <laughs> and I just thought, wow, that is so cool that this is where he comes and this is where he feels at home to you know, ask questions and many spiritual questions and many just, he's a youth and has lots of questions. Um, but I just thought, wow, that is so, so neat. Um, and then another one after English class one day, all the kids left and they were going to go hang out in town. And a few, a few minutes later, I get a picture and they had bumped into Jandri who leads our Bible study. And they were hanging out in Hako Walk, which is like an outdoor shopping slash eating area. And probably one of the best places in Hako where they could spend time. So I was like, well, that's so cool. So I get this picture and then like a couple hours later, I'm like ready to go to bed and I get this video and I was like, oh, now what? <laughs> you know, some silly meme or some silly video that they're sending me, right? And, and no, it was a video of them praying um, before eating pizza. And um, the caption was, we're all here together praying before we eat, giving thanks to God. <laughs> and I was just like, wow, this is so crazy. And just how you know, he had it in his heart to like share that and how you can tell that he's growing. You can tell that God is working in his heart because that's what he's sharing, you know? Um, so yesterday we went to the water park and we took 10 of the youth that have been most consistent with um, coming to the Bible study here in the last few months. So 10 and then John B and I, so the 12 of us were going and had lots of fun. Most of them had never been to the water parks. So it was a super fun day. Um, and we're getting wrapped up, right? We're just like, I'm trying to round everyone together and we're heading out. And one of the younger kids, he says, oh man, this was the best day of my life. <laughs> and I'm thinking, wow, that is so cool. Like um, that he had this opportunity and I work with a lot of lower income kids. And so, um, you know, they don't all have so many opportunities to do things like that. And so here I am thinking all these nice thoughts of like, oh, that's so cool. And then like 30 seconds later, Another kid says, I think I was in the water so much today that all my sins got washed away. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, he was joking, I think. Um, but there's some room for discipleship there. <laughs> Anywho, I'm going to leave you with just one last snippet here of Casa Fe. Um, pardon. Uh, one of the girls that's been coming to Casa Fe just for the last two months or so. She's really new. And um, just last month, at the end of last month, her dad passed away very, very suddenly, very tragically. And the youth came and they were all kind of like sad and down. And, and she was in San Jose with her, with her family for the funeral and stuff. And um, they're like, they told me what happened and what's going on. And I was like, oh, wow, that's, that's rough. That's really hard. And, but they kept saying, Lisa, I just, I want her to come here. I want her to be able to share with you. I want her to be able to come to Casa Fe. And so long story short, she, she, she's continued to come, and I've just been able to um, slowly start walking that roller coaster of a grief journey with her. And, and so it's, it's, it's just neat to see how this is, has become and how God has used this place as a refuge, um, as a, a house of faith, you know, a house where they can just come and learn about faith and, and where they're actually, you know, encouraging each other to come here. And so those are some things that God's doing here in Casa Bay. Quick stories. Hey, that is, uh, that is so great, Lisa. And appreciate really you coming online today and just being able to share with us, um, maybe for some of the church, for them to get to know you um, a little bit more and those that know you just to just to be engaged. So uh, a couple of things we didn't I didn't I didn't say this or maybe I did I can't remember. But if you had two prayer requests that you would shoot back to us as a church, how could we pray for you? Um, yeah, let's see if I can fit five into two. So I would say for open hearts for the youth, 
and that they would continue to grow in the Lord and that they would get connected into the local church and that God would continue to bring the right youth here. That's three in one there. And then for me, (laughs) I just pray for wisdom, for strength and for guidance as ministry is challenging and I need, I need God to help me in everything. So, yeah. Excellent. Thank you. If you want to be more connected with Lisa back behind the sound booth, we've got a little, uh, plastic container and she's got a card in there and I know that uh, Raina and I are connected with her we get she does a fantastic newsletter um, and if you want uh, you she even ha- includes video in it sometimes so uh, if you want uh, if you want to be connected to, to Lisa grab one of those if you are interested in supporting her you can also grab one and get information about how you can personally support her we support her as a church I know many of you individually support her I can tell you that um, she she will probably not tell you but no missionaries ever supported uh, fully and so I'm putting that out there. Uh, she didn't ask me. I'm just saying, hey, church, think about it. That'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> super. All right. I have five questions for you, Lisa. Are you ready? Here we go. Okay, here um, my first one is this. Uh, cats or dogs? Oh, cats. Okay, great. Uh, is it jelly and peanut butter or peanut butter and jelly? Peanut butter and jam. Jam. Okay, great. Uh, Okay, cars. If you had to choose between two different cars, BMW or Volkswagen? Volkswagen. Good. good. Uh, If you could only eat one fruit, what would it be? Oh, boy. Uh, An apple. Okay. Uh, Last one, dancing in the rain or walking on a sunny beach? Yes. Okay. Uh, super. Uh, thank you very much, Lisa. Let me, let me pray for you. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we have to connect with Lisa. Wow, what an amazing way to use technology that she is sitting um, thousands of miles away, and here we are talking with her. Uh, thank you for that, Lord. I pray for those young, young people that their hearts are in need of Jesus, and that... Um, The cafe offers the opportunity for connection, for community, and for hope, and for healing. Uh, Father, we do uh, lift up to you, Lisa, and the wisdom she needs, and the understanding she needs, the strength she needs, the health she needs to continue doing what she is doing. Father, thank you for the blessing that uh, that you have made her in that community, that she brings your peace, she she brings your shalom to that area. And they may not know it, Lord, but because she is there, it makes a difference, a huge difference. So we pray for more eyes to be opened, more hearts to be changed. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. (laughs) Did you hear that? People are hollering. They said they love you, Lisa. Love you guys, too. Good. All right, I think Lisa's going to stay on. You won't see her, but uh, she may stay on and kind of finish watching the service. Um, We are going to uh, move into the message, but before I do that, I have one more thing, just kind of a housekeeping thing for us to talk about as a church family, and I think I have a slide for that. Um, to come up, and it's just talking, just bringing you aware of where we are financially as a church. So there we have the graph, and uh, you can see uh, the blue is a fiscal year for 21-22, green is fiscal is a giving for that year, and then uh, the dark blue is the expenses for 2023, uh, 22-23, and then giving. So you can kind of see we've been October, September, August. You can see where we were last year, where we are um, this year, and what you will notice in there is that uh, our expenses and our giving. And so um, September is one month where we had more giving than we had expenses, and August um, was another month where we were very close. Um, October, we have a little bit more time, we're a little bit behind. Why do I share this with you? A couple reasons. Um, one is, is that it's always good to be aware of where we are. And uh, secondly is that what isn't in here is we do rental, we have rentals here. People come in and use the building. And so that actually helps us to meet budget. 
But that's not our goal. We don't rent the place out because we want to meet budget. We want to meet budget by being able to, as a church, through our giving. And uh, if you also notice up there that, uh, um, as you see that, we hope as a church to be able to bring a new lead pastor here. And um, if that was happening today, we would be further behind. And so what we want you to do is, this is not anything other than information, and for you as a church family, for us as a church family, for real, to say, God, what, what's my role? What do you want me to, to do in that? And we, we, uh, we know that things, uh, economy-wise, are very tight, and, um, and we understand that, but we also feel that it's, it's our responsibility as uh, as a church to be able to let you know where we are financially. So this is where we're at. Um, we are meeting our expenses. We're not meeting budget. So if we were to put up the, the, their budget, what we budgeted for in our expenses and where we're at, we wouldn't meet that. But we are keeping our expenses down. And so we are meeting our expenses. We're not behind on any bills. Thank you. Everybody's being paid. That's good. Uh, but that's kind of where we are. Give you a, a snapshot. And uh, I'm thankful. I'm very thankful for where we are. But we also have a ways to go. All right. Does that sound good? Great. Take that one down. Uh, it's, you know, it's not, for me, I never, finances are always hard for me to talk about, um, but it's necessary, so. Okay, uh, this morning we are going to move into where our message is, and um, I want to do a little bit of a quick recap for us um, of where we are in this Invitation to Journey. So, Invitation of a Journey is this. It is, um, let me, let me pray to get my head switched into the next gear here. Lord, thank you for today. I thank you for your word, that you have given it to us to guide, to lead, to correct, to reveal as knowledge, as wisdom, as truth, as revelation. so that we, Lord, can have this awesome relationship with you, that we can live in your kingdom, accomplish your kingdom purposes. Father, that we can live free. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we're talking about spiritual formation. I'm passionate about this. And as I'm passionate about it, it's like, well, what is spiritual formation? So spiritual formation used a definition from Robert Mulholland, which says spiritual formation is the process of being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. And there's a whole lot in there about the image of Christ and for the sake of others that is so important. Because oftentimes in our culture and what we do and how we do and why we do the things we do, it comes back to me. I'm doing it for me. And Christ died for others. And so our lives are meant to live as image bearers of Christ for others. But the one thing I want to point out today is this. Spiritual formation is a process. It is a process. And I share that with us because um, I recognize that we are all on this journey with Jesus in a different way. Some of you are, are on a journey in this spiritual formation going, I want to learn. I want to understand. Maybe it's new to you, some of the things we're talking about, uh, how we talk about practicing the way with Jesus. And, and so some of you are at that place going, yes, I want that. I want to understand that. Others of you, you've been here for a while and you're going, yeah, I am so excited that others are being invited on this journey. That is fantastic. And there may be others sitting here today that you're going, I'm still trying to figure out this Jesus character. Like, where does he fit in my life? Does he fit in my life? Do I even understand that? And so I want to say that we are all on a journey together and it's a process and we're, we're on this continuum. And the important part is that, is that it's a process we're moving forward, moving along in our relationship with Jesus. 
and understanding what it means to be apprenticing, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, to walk with Jesus. So what does it mean to live a life of transformation? What does it mean to live a life of transformation? Well, first of all, it doesn't mean that we are adding anything to the cross. This isn't about adding anything to what Jesus has done. This is what excites me. This is what it does mean. It means it's about accessing the cross. Christ has died for our sins. He, he has conquered death. He has overcome darkness. Isn't that good? It's really good. And transformation, living a transformed life, is not adding to that, but it is accessing that. And boy, do I need it. Do I need it. Here's another thing. It's not about earning an abundant life. It's not about earning an abundant life. Instead, it's about accessing abundant life. That's what living a life of transformation is all about. It's not about adding to the cross. It's not about earning abundant life. It's about accessing the cross. It's about accessing the abundant life that Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. My heart aches for that. I long for that. I want that. I want to access the crucified life. I know there is hope. I know there is healing. I know that there is power when I'm walking in that transformed life. So, today, I hope that we can go into a little bit of a deeper understanding about transformation as we explore what it means to walk with Jesus, to apprentice with him. So, growing up as a kid, um, we always had a garden, and the size of the garden depended upon the, the size of the place that we were living in the land that we're living. And sometimes we had a huge garden. We had a big garden. And other times we had a small garden. And I can tell you that in all the years that my mom has gardened, and even today I've got pictures on my phone. She's built this. She lives up in the mountains and it's cold and she wants to grow vegetables for a longer time. And she made my dad dig a hole in the ground. And when I say made my dad, it was true. He made my dad dig a hole in the ground and put this greenhouse in the ground. And she's showing me pictures of vegetables growing in there. And she says yesterday it was... They're from the States. It was 49 degrees, and in the, in, the, in the greenhouse, it was 70. You can convert that yourself. I can tell you this. I never got the garden bug. Never got the garden bug. And then I marry Raina. And for the first nine-ish years, we never had a place to grow a garden. And then we bought our first home, and we arrived at this home with this garden already planted. It was. They had like 15 cabbages planted. And I remember the first time, like, what are we going to do with 15 cabbages? We figured that out. But they had a garden planted. And then I realized that Raina loves gardening. And as it is when you have somebody who is passionate about something and, and your, your soulmate's passionate about something, you get, you get brought along, don't you? And so I got brought along into my realm of gardening, and it was rollatilling. I was the rollatiller expert. I was the master rollatiller. And if anybody know, needs to know how to rollatill, I can tell you how to do it. And that was my job. I relatilled that garden back and forth. And, and then as time went on and Raina grew in her knowledge of gardening, all of a sudden she declared to me that we were not going to relatil anymore. There's another way of gardening and it was no-till gardening. And I'm going, what? You're taking my job away. It's the only thing I do in the garden. Besides eat what comes out of the garden. That is about it. But she had another job for me. It was a role in which was to be the pruner. And the first time she asked me if I, was, I would prune, I looked at her and I said, yes, I can hack those trees back. And her eyes bulged and she shook her head. And what she perhaps was going to give me a prune, uh, some clippers to prune, they were quickly taken back. And I can tell you that for some time, I was never able to prune alone. 
I had to be supervised when I pruned. Because I was, I was apprenticing pruner. That was my job, was apprenticing in, as a pruner. <laughs> well, I would tell you that I'm still apprenticing. But the good part is, is that Raina, as I call her my master gardener, um, she would not call herself that, but I call her my master gardener, that she does let me now go out when I say, I'm going to go prune. And she says to me, okay. Like, she's actually trusting me with the pruners now. So I'm, I'm just on the edge of maybe, maybe moving beyond apprenticing in the whole aspect of pruning. But over time, I have realized that pruning is definitely a skill. It's an art. And it's important that you understand how to do it. Um, our good friend Suzanne is not here. She's online. Hello, Suzanne. Uh, she is a horticulturist. And is that right? Did I say that right? And uh, she loves trees. And she is the master pruner. Um, and I learned from her about pruning. Why do I say that? Well, because I want us to turn back to John chapter 15. And I want to look at John 15. We looked at this a couple weeks ago. And we're going to look at it again. And as I felt kind of bad about looking at a passage I just preached on, Rainer reminded me that Timothy Keller, one of my favorite preachers, spent probably six weeks just on the prodigal son message. So I'm going to do two messages on, in one passage. So let's look at it together, and we will read together. So Matthew, or John chapter 15, starting, starting in verse 1. It says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me does not bear fruit. He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. And he makes it that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he, is, he, it, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me and he is thrown away like a branch and withers and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burn. If you abide in me and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to, to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Abide in me, my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Man, there are some good stuff in there. It's, oh, you know what? I forgot to switch the slide, didn't I? Or did you do it there for me? Oh, thank you. So I want to look a little bit at some of the characters that Jesus points out here. First is this. There is Jesus. He's the vine. So he mentions, I am the vine. And we're going to talk a little bit about that um, and what that means and why, why him declaring his, himself a vine in that culture, in that setting at that time was, was, was quite interesting. God is the vine dresser. And we'll talk more about what the vine dresser does. And we are the branches. So I want us just to be clear with, with the people, with, with the characters that we read in here. Jesus is the vine. God is the vine dresser. And we are the branches. So what does it mean for Jesus to be the vine? Well, in Psalm 80... If you to, to turn to Psalm chapter 80, and you were to look at verse 8 to 11, we read in there about Israel being the vine. So I want to just quickly read a couple of the verses for you in Psalm 80 and verse 8. And so it is written, you brought, in the, you brought a vine out of Egypt, so that's Israel, and you drove out the nations and you planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. 
So Israel has been seen as the vine. Israel is the vine. And now Jesus is saying, I am the vine. And I'll get to the significance of that in a moment. But we also will read in Isaiah chapter 5 verse 4, where Israel being the vine is accused of bearing wild, wild fruit. And if you've ever seen a tree, a wild apple tree or, or something like that, just has gone wild, it doesn't actually bear good fruit. A good, a good pruner will prune back that tree or prune back that vine so it bears good fruit. Not wild fruit, but good fruit. And Israel is accused of bearing wild fruit because it has not allowed itself to be pruned by God. And now Jesus comes and he says that I am the vine. And as he says that I am the vine, he's saying, I am the true Israel. I am the true vine. Israel was planted in that land so that the world would know that God is God. That they would, they would live a life, surrender to God in a way that would draw all the world to them. And that the world would worship God. And Jesus says, I am the true vine. He is making that claim now. I am the true vine. And therefore, we are the branches. So I mentioned last week, or two weeks ago, that the word abide or remain in these verses happens ten times. Ten times. So it's important. Abiding in Christ is important. What happens when you and I abide in Christ? I see three things that happen. First off, is that we bear fruit. So in verses 4 and 5 and other places, it talks about us bearing fruit. I want to be a fruit bearer for Jesus. I want to bear his fruit, not my fruit. And I can easily bear my fruit, myself, my flesh, my selfishness. But I want to bear his fruit. And so when we remain in the vine as branches, we bear fruit. Secondly is he keeps us healthy. In verse 2, it talks about how he gathers up the, bran the branches that don't bear fruit. He keeps us healthy. Some of you sit here today and you have struggles and you have trials and you have issues in your life. You have weight upon you. You have marriages that are struggling. You're sitting here and you're a teenager and you're struggling with your parents. Or you're a parent and you're struggling with your teenager. It was cute when they were two years old and they started talking and they looked at you and they said no. But now that they are 12, 13, 14, 15 and they're looking at you and saying no, it's no longer cute. And we stay connected to the vine. God is able to come and to remove those branches that are not bearing fruit. And they actually weigh us down. Think about some of the stuff that you're carrying, the baggage that you're carrying, the hurt that you're carrying hurt from the past, the things that people have said, things they have done. Think about the stuff that you experienced and you're experiencing now or you experienced when you were a kid and you're still carrying that around. When it says that the father comes and he grabs up all those branches that don't bear fruit, he's cleaning us, he's making us healthy. I want to be healthy. I, can I say hate? I hate it. When I am living in the past, when I'm living in those old branches, they're not bearing any fruit. And they weigh me down. And so I love this verse here. It talks about how the father comes and he gathers up that and he gets rid of it. And then what does he do? He prunes. He prunes the branches that bear fruit. He prunes branches that bear fruit. 
interesting because the word prune, and as you look in verse 3, and he talks about how the word has already come to the disciples and made them clean, that that word prune and clean are actually very similar in the Greek. Word prune and clean are very similar in the Greek. So when he's pruning us, he is cleaning us. He is making us so that we can bear fruit. That pruning is getting rid of the goals and ambitions in our lives that we have taken on, that we think we need to accomplish, that we, the world, has put upon us, that we need to be this and we need to be that. And he comes and he prunes that so that we are bearing his fruit. I think about Peter and just before that, where in, in John, where he says to him, Peter says, listen, don't, you can't die. You can't die on the cross. No, that can't happen. And Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. What was he saying? Peter was going, I have ambitions of what I think you should accomplish, Jesus. I have, I have goals that I think you need to do, Jesus. And Jesus is saying, no, that needs to be pruned out of your life, Peter. That is not me. That is dying to self. So abiding is to make our home in a place. To make our home in a place. We will abide someplace in our inner being. You're all going to abide somewhere. And so we either abide in Christ or we're going to abide in myself. We can abide in fear. We can abide in ambition. We can abide in anger. We can abide in lust. Or we can abide in God. John 14, verse 23, God wants to make your heart his home. And he also wants us to make his heart our home. He wants us to abide in him. He's calling us to abide in him. So I am, as I said, a rookie pruner. I am an apprentice. And there are times that I cut off a branch that I should not cut off. There are times that I will cut off a branch that it would have bore fruit. And when I cut it and I realize it, I'm going, oh. But once that branch is cut off, I can't put it back on. It's not going to bear fruit again. So we are not going to bear fruit if we're not connected to the vine. See, we have one requirement. We have one requirement. And that is that you and I learn to stay connected to the, to be the vine at all times. We, as a branch, need to stay connected to the vine at all times. We need to learn that. We need to enter into that. The, the, our job, our one job, is not to bear fruit. It is to stay connected to the vine. God is the one who does the fruit bearing in us. He's the one that does it. We stay connected. He bears the fruit because the fruit is, it's Christ. It is love. It is joy. It is peace. That's what he does in and through us. If I want to love my neighbor, I, that's why he says, love me first. He tells us the commands are to love me and love my neighbor. And he put them, I believe, in that order because I really, truly can't love my neighbor for kingdom purposes apart from God. I can't do it. And so my one requirement is to stay connected to the vine at all times to stay connected to the vine at all times. So it sounds doable, right? I mean, I'm just telling you, you got to stay connected to it. And it sounds good. I think it sounds good. And it's doable when the sun is shining, when the kids aren't crying, when life isn't chaotic, when everything is going well, no one is sick. It's doable, is it not? Somebody shake your head. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. But what happens 
when life is not perfect, when it feels like it's out of control, when the kids are crying and screaming, when, when the sun is not shining, how do I remain and abide in Christ? And I do that by practicing being with him daily. So we're talking about this. Is my daily habits. And I, I, I mentioned before is that it's our holy habits. Our holy habits. When you and I are able to take our unholy habits, our unhealthy habits, and turn them into holy habits, you and I are able to abide in him. For instance, we spend 705 hours on social media a year. 705 hours on social media a year. We spend 2,737.5 hours, this is the average North American, spends 2,737.5 hours a year watching TV. I've encouraged you to create a holy habit of spending 10 minutes in silence. 10 minutes a day in silence. I want you to know that that would equal 58 hours in a year. And you might say to me, I don't have time to do that. And I want to say, well, then rob it, steal it from TV watching. I watch TV. I do. Okay, I love sports. Cubs is my favorite team. The Chicago Cubs are my favorite team. I love watching them even when they lose. I like watching them, but I have time. It's what I do with my time. So just so you know that if you took your 58 hours out of watching TV, you would still have 2,674.5 hours to watch TV in a year. That's tremendous. And I'm sure it's good stuff. But I, I even say to myself, I don't feel close to God. And then I look at my time that I've spent in my life and I realize that I have not allocated my time properly. I haven't been abiding because I haven't given time to abide. And then I wonder why I'm losing my cool. Why I'm feeling anxious why I'm feeling worried, why I go back to the old ways of doing and thinking, why my relationship with Raina is not going well. And I can, you know, I can, in my flesh, I can tell you all the things she does wrong. <laughs> but in my spirit, I'm convicted. So it's this practicing habits, holy habits, just trying to turn us towards that. So I'm going to flip through some slides here. Um, so one of the things that we've been doing is, is doing a practice of evaluating our lives. And so I have this worksheet out there. And so we've done these two categories, life categories. And so we've gone down. We have, we have all kinds of categories that are there, relationship uh, with God, abiding with him. We have um, marriage or single. We have parent and children. We have rest. We have play. We have um, retirement and work, technology. All of that is there. And you can put your own categories down for life however you want to. But we need to ask the honest questions of how does this area of my life look like or don't, don't look like Jesus? And then what am I doing that is making that reflection of that? So I want to add one more to it. And I'll flip here. And that's this. The next part is this. Is who am I? Whom am I becoming? And, and so we write this identity statement of in Christ I am. So who am I in Christ? And I want to tell you, this, is, this isn't something that I just quickly, randomly just put off. It's something that I need to actually sit and quietly ponder before the Lord. Lord, who am I? What is he going to say to me? 
And then from there, I'm going to have, to have this life category of abiding. What is God's vision for me when it comes to abiding in my relationship with God? What is his vision? What is he going to tell you? This is what I would love to see. This is my vision for you in this area of abiding. What does that look like? Or your relationship with your spouse or what it looks like to be single. And what is his vision for you as being a single person? And so I, I want to encourage you to go down through and then I'll, I'll add one more piece to it next week, which will complete this part. I have been doing this for over 30 years. And I can tell you that I am more passionate about moving people of God to being disciples of Jesus in this way than I ever have been. Because I can tell you you need to be a witness. I can tell you you need to come to church. I can tell you you need to read your Bible. I can tell you to pray. But this is something greater and deeper when we're abiding and we're slowing down and we're letting God control our life. This week, I wanted to control my life. And God, in my time of quiet, said to me, this is a control issue. You are struggling today because it is a control issue. You are trying to control. And I had to surrender. And there's so much peace. There's so much joy. All right. Lord Jesus, um, thank you for today. God, I thank you that you want to be with us and that you have made a way to be with us. And Lord, that we can be with you. It's not a pipe dream. It's not a hope, but it is truth. Father, it's not about the doing. It's about the being. Help us to slow down as your people to be with you. Help us, Lord, to rearrange our lives so that we can be with you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing one last song. We're going to do communion, and then we will uh, have one more thing we want to do to close. So uh, please stand with us and follow along as we sing this morning. So if you would like to participate in communion this morning and come up, uh, then please do so.